Part one, sections seventeen to twenty two of All Things Are Possible by Lev Shestov, translated by S. S. Kotelyansky, eighteen eighty eight to nineteen fifty five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part one, section seventeen. What is a Weltanschauung, a world conception, a philosophy? As we all know, Turgenev was a realist, and from the first he tried to portray life truthfully. Although we had had no precise exponents of realism, yet after Pushkin it was impossible for a Russian writer to depart too far from actuality. Even those who did not know what to do with real life had to cope with it as best they could. Hence, in order that the picture of life should not prove too depressing, the writer must provide himself in due season with a philosophy. This philosophy still plays the part of the magic wand in literature, enabling the author to turn anything he likes into anything else. Most of Turgenev's works are curious in respect of philosophy. But most curious is his diary of a superfluous man. Turgenev was the first to introduce the term a superfluous man into Russian literature. Since then an endless amount has been written about superfluous people, although up till now nothing important has been added to what was already said fifty years ago. There are superfluous people, plenty of them, but what is to be done with them? No one knows. There remains only to invent philosophies on their behalf. In 1850, Turgenev, then a young man, thus solved the problem. He ends the diary with a humorous postscript supposed to have been scribbled by an impertinent reader on the last fly-leaf of the manuscript. This manuscript was read and contents thereof disapproved by Peter Zudocheshin. Dear Sir, Peter Zudocheshin, my dear Sir. It is obvious Turgenev felt that after a tragedy must follow a farce, and therein lies the substance of his philosophy. It is also obvious that in this feeling he has the whole of European civilization behind him. Turgenev was the most educated, the most cultured of all Russian writers. He spent nearly all his life abroad and absorbed into himself all that European learning could offer. He knew this, although he never directly admitted it, owing to an exaggerated modesty which sometimes irritates us by its obviousness. He believed profoundly that only learning, only European science, could open men's eyes to life and explain all that needed explanation. According to this belief, he judges even Tolstoy, the saddest instance of the lack of real freedom, the sixty-year-old Turgenev writes of war and peace in his literary memoirs, the saddest instance of the lack of real freedom arising from the lack of real knowledge is revealed to us in Leo Tolstoy's latest work, a work which at the same time, by virtue of its creative poetic force, ranks almost first among all that has appeared in Russian literature since 1840. No, without culture, without freedom in the widest sense, freedom within oneself, freedom from preconceived ideas, freedom with regard to one's own nation and history, without this the real artist is unthinkable. Without this free air, he cannot breathe. Listening to Turgenev, one might imagine that he had learned some great secret in the West, a secret which gave him the right to bear himself cheerfully and modestly when other people despaired and lost their heads. 
a year after the writing of the literary memoirs above quoted turgenev happened to be present at the execution of the notorious murderer tropman his impressions are superbly rendered in a long article called tropman's execution the description produces a soul-shaking effect upon the reader for i think i shall not exaggerate if i say that the essay is one of the best at least one of the most vigorous of turgenev's writings it is true that tolstoy describes scenes of slaughter with no less vigour and therefore the reader need not yield too much to the artist's power yet when turgenev relates that at the decisive moment when the executioners like spiders on a fly threw themselves on tropman and bore him to the ground the earth quietly swam away from under my feet we are forced to believe him men respond only faintly to the horrors that take place around them except at moments when the savage crying incongruity and ghastliness of our condition suddenly reveals itself vivid before our eyes and we are forced to know what we are then the ground slides away from under our feet but not for long the horror of the sensation of groundlessness quickly brings man to himself he must forget everything he must only get his feet on earth again in this sense turgenev proved himself in as risky a state at sixty as he was when as a young man he wrote his diary of a superfluous man the description of tropman's execution ends with these words who can fail to feel that the question of capital punishment is one of the urgent immediate problems which modern humanity must settle i shall be satisfied if my story will provide even a few arguments for those who advocate the abolition or at least the suppression of the publicity of capital punishments again the mountain has brought forth a mouse after a tragedy a farce philosophy enters into her power and the earth returns under one's feet i emphasize and repeat turgenev is not alone responsible for his attitude with his lips speaks the whole of european civilization on principle all insoluble problems are rejected during her thousand years of experience the old civilization has acquired the skill which allows her children to derive satisfaction and benefit out of anything even the blood of their neighbour even the greatest horrors even crimes are beneficial properly construed turgenev was as we know a soft humane man an undoubted idealist in his youth he had been through the hegelian school and from hegel he learned what an enormous value education has and how supremely important it is for an educated man to have a complete and finished most certainly a finished philosophy eighteen to praise oneself is considered improper immodest to praise one's own sect one's own philosophy is considered the highest duty even the best writers have taken at least as much trouble to glorify their philosophy as to found it and have always had more success in the former case than in the latter their ideas whether proven or not are the dearest possession in life to them in sorrow a consolation in difficulty a source of counsel even death is not terrible to ideas they will follow man beyond the grave they are the only imperishable riches all this the philosophers repeat very eloquently repeat and reiterate concerning their ideas not less skilfully than advocates plead their cases on behalf of thieves and swindlers but nobody has ever yet called a philosopher a hired conscience 
though everybody gives the lawyer this nickname why this partiality nineteen certain savage tribes believe that their kings need no food neither to eat nor to drink as a matter of fact kings eat and drink and even relish a good mouthful more than ordinary mortals so having no desire even for the sake of form to abstain too long they not infrequently interrupt the long drawn-out religious ceremonies of their tribes in order to command refreshment for their frail bodies but none must witness or even be aware of this refreshing and so while he eats the king is hidden within a purple pall metaphysicians remind one of these savage kings they want everyone to believe that empiricism which means all reality and substantial existence is nothing to them they need only pure ideas for their existence in order to keep up this fiction they appear before the world invested in a purple veil of fine words the crowd knows perfectly well that it is all a take-in but since it likes shows and bright colours and since also it has no ambition to appear too knowing it rarely betrays that it has caught the trick of the comedy on the contrary it loves to pretend to be fooled knowing by instinct that actors always do their best when the audience believes implicitly in what happens only inexperienced youths and children unaware of the great importance of the conventional attitude now and then cry out in indignation and give the lie to the performance like the child in anderson's story who so unexpectedly and inopportunely broke the general deliberate illusion by calling out but the king is naked of course everybody knows without telling that the king is naked that the metaphysicians not only are unable to explain anything but that hitherto they have not been able to present even a single hypothesis free from contradiction it is necessary to pretend to believe that kings eat nothing that philosophers have divined the secrets of the universe that arbitrary theories are more precious than empirical harvests and so on there remains only one difficulty grown-ups may be won over to the conventional lie but what about the children with them the only remedy is the pythagorean system of upbringing so glorified by hegel children must keep silent and not raise their voice until they realize that some things may not be talked about this is our method with us pupils remain silent not only for five years as the pythagoreans recommended but for ten or more until they have learned to speak like their masters and then they are granted a freedom which is no longer any good to them perhaps they had wings or might have had them but they have crawled all their life long in imitation of their masters so how can they now dream of flight to a well-informed man who has studied much the very thought of the possibility of tearing himself away from the earth even for a moment is horrifying as if he knew beforehand what the result would be twenty the best the most effective way of convincing a reader is to begin one's argument with inoffensive commonplace assertions when suspicion has been sufficiently lulled and a certainty has been begot that what follows will be a confirmation of the reader's own accepted views then has the moment arrived to speak one's mind openly but still in the same easy tone as if there were no break in the flow of truisms the logical connection is unimportant consequence of manner and intonation is much more impressive than consequence of ideas 
the thing to do is to go on in the same suave tone from uttering a series of banalities to expressing a new and dangerous thought without any break if you succeed in this the business is done the reader will not forget the new words will plague and torment him until he has accepted them twenty one the habit of logical thinking kills imagination man is convinced that the only way to truth is through logic and that any departure from this way leads to error and absurdity the nearer we approach the ultimate questions of existence in our departure from logicality the more deadly becomes the state of error we fall into the ariadne ball has become all unwound long ago and man is at the end of the tether but he does not know he holds the end of the thread firmly and marks time with energy on the same spot imagining his progress and little realizing the ridiculous situation into which he has fallen how should he realize considering the innumerable precautions he has taken to prevent himself from losing the logical way he had better have stayed at home once he set out once he decided to be a theseus and kill the minotaur he should have given himself up forfeited the old attachment and been ready never to escape from the labyrinth true he would have risked losing ariadne and this is why long journeys should be undertaken only after family connections have become a burden such being the case a man deliberately cuts the thread which binds him to hearth and home so that he may have a legitimate excuse to his conscience for not going back philosophy must have nothing in common with logic philosophy is an art which aims at breaking the logical continuity of argument and bringing man out on the shoreless sea of imagination the fantastic tides where everything is equally possible and impossible certainly it is difficult given sedentary habits of life to be a good philosopher the fact that the fate of philosophy has ever lain in the hands of professors can only be explained by the reluctance of the envious gods to give omniscience to mortals while stay-at-home persons are searching for truth the apple will stay on the tree the business must be undertaken by homeless adventurers born nomads to whom ubi bene ibi patria it seems to me that but for his family and his domesticity count tolstoy who lives to such a ripe old age might have told us a great many important and interesting things or perhaps had he not married like nietzsche he would have gone mad if you turn to the right you will marry if to the left you will be killed a true philosopher never chooses the middle course he needs no riches he does not know what to do with money but whether he turns to the right or to the left nothing pleasant awaits him scratch a russian and you will find a tartar culture is an age-long development and sudden grafting of it upon a race rarely succeeds to us in russia civilization came suddenly whilst we were still savages at once she took upon herself the responsibilities of a tamer of wild animals first working with decoys and baits and later when she felt her power with threats we quickly submitted in a short time we were swallowing in enormous doses those poisons which europe had been gradually accustoming herself to gradually assimilating through centuries thanks to which the transplanting of civilization into russia turns out to be no mild affair a russian had only to catch a whiff of european atmosphere and his head began to swim he interpreted in his own way savage-like 
whatever he heard of western success hearing about railways agricultural machines schools municipalities his imagination painted miracles universal happiness boundless freedom paradise wings etc and the more impossible his dreams the more eager he was to believe them real how disillusioned with europe the westerner hertzen became after living for years on end abroad yet with all his acuteness it did not occur to him that europe was not in the least to blame for his disillusionment europe had dropped miracles ages ago she contented herself with ideals it is we in russia who will go on confusing miracles with ideals as if the two were identical whereas they have nothing to do with each other as a matter of fact just because europe had ceased to believe in miracles and realized that all human problems resolved down to mere arrangements here on earth ideas and ideals had been invented but the russian bear crept out of his hole and strolled to europe for the elixir of life the flying carpet the seven-leagued shoes and so on thinking in all his naivete that railways and electricity were signs which clearly proved that the old nurse never told a lie in her fairy tales all this happened just at the moment when europe had finally made away with alchemy and astrology and started on the positive researches resulting in chemistry and astronomy end of part one section twenty two recording by expatriate in bangor maine